Welcome everybody to the second episode of the Super Super 8 Podcast. Um, it's Labor Day weekend. Happy Labor Day everybody out there. Um, currently, I am having a drink. Uh, I'm a rum man. Um, having a drink or two while I do these will, will be customary. Um, right now, I have got a custom mix of... Uh, some oof, Cruzan, uh, coconut rum, uh, some Captain Morgan, and some cranberry juice. It is delicious. Uh, mixed with some ice. Um, I'm recording this episode on a headset, which I hope doesn't um, create. Uh, hope it's not too too distracting. Um, I've made, I've done a couple of primitive tests. I'm trying to eliminate a lot of the plosives, a lot of the S's and the P's that come through. I apologize in advance. Um, my rig before, and I still have it, it's just a little more cumbersome, is actually a handhold recorder. It's a Tascam DR40. Um, I bought quite a while ago. Um, it's powered by three... Double A's. Uh, it's got XLRs and phantom power, and I was running it to a um, a uh, condenser mic on a on a little stand here on my desk, and um, which is a great setup. But uh, my headphone jack on the Tascam recently broke a couple months back. Um, recently, a couple months back, same thing, right? And obviously, so I can't exactly monitor direct recordings until I listen to them back. It does have a speaker on it, but obviously it's not live. Um, I, I can see the levels if I'm peaking, but it's kind of difficult when you don't know what your kind of what you sound like until after you're done, especially when you're talking for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, or over that. So um, I just decided uh, I have a headset, so um, you know, we'll, we'll try that. Uh, and also, it might be helping me out. My my desktop fans are very very loud, so hopefully it eliminates some of that stuff. But uh, yeah, um, some news with me. I just won earlier today an eBay bid on. Let's see, purchase history, non Super 8 related. Apologies for you Super 8 fans. This will be happening off and on because, you know, I am looking to gear this podcast towards the Super 8 community, but I'm not going to silo it in such a way where it's just Super 8. Um, I will try my best to do so, um, because the name of it is the Super Super 8 Podcast. And if anything, if any of the episodes are primarily not about um, Super 8 topics, I will label them as such. So you can skip over them if you choose. Um, uh, just some general news going on in my world. Uh, purchase history. Uh, eBay. eBay is like the the place. The place to go for 35mm um, you know, still photography equipment. I mean, really. Uh, I just won a on a I, what I really wanted I'm really still building up my still photography arsenal as well um, as I mentioned in the previous episode um, a lot of my equipment is kind of bust right now 
and because I'm not developing things directly immediately after I um, after I shoot stuff you know a, a couple weeks go by until I realize that some of my equipment is kind of bust so I just won a a bid on a half frame camera it is a Fujika half frame film camera it's got a 28 millimeter um, lens attached to it um, I think it's a fixed lens it's at f2.8 Fujinon F-U-J-I-N-O-N lens um, it's a half frame camera meaning it, it loads just like your regular point-and-shoot would with a 35 millimeter cartridge it takes 35 millimeter uh, cartridges um, but it exposes the film on it exposes the only half of the frame only half of what a regular 35 millimeter was so you would get theoretically double the exposures double the amount of exposures as you would on a regular cartridge so um, you know I, I assume that most of you kind of know what I'm talking about but on half frame cameras it only exposes half of a regular size frame so instead of 36 exposures on your average uh, roll of film that you'd buy sometimes you come in 24 but most if most uh, cartridges come in 36 shots so uh, I think theoretically doubled that would be 72 so you'd get 72 shots out of a regular roll of film um, the images that they produce are kinda cool um, it's not my first choice in a half frame camera my first choice would have been, and they also look cool, so maybe that's why I'm a little biased, but the Olympus Pen EE, I think they are, the Olympus Pen series. Um, those look the coolest. Uh, they're a little bit more expensive. Uh, I, this bid came through for me at uh, $28 plus, you know, 12 bucks in shipping. So not too, too bad for just a simple little point and shoot I can mess around with. Um, so that's fun. Also, so as I may have mentioned last uh, last episode, a lot of my a lot of my equipment is is kind of trashed. It's, the images aren't coming out correctly. Um, this the Minolta 5000 Maxim 5000. It's shooting, but it seems like the the shutter speed is either fixed, stuck, broken, or it's just a little it's just sticky so it's it's or or the opposite of that where it's just shooting at the same the same frame rate. I'm not exactly sure what's going on uh, all the images are coming out dark um, so I guess that would mean it's a little too quick right um, it is producing images some of the images are decent um, some of the images that are of a generally well exposed landscape are passable on the darker side and then you know anything with low light or you know anything with passable light which should have still come out um, is, is just way too dark um, some of them are easily um, adjustable in post but um, I'm, I'm quickly finding that um, it's it's something inside the camera uh, which I should have known the only one of the factors of me not realizing this soon enough is that one I obviously wasn't um, developing the film as quickly as I should have two while all this was going on and while I was realizing that something was wrong with the camera I was working on buying and 
kind of figuring out the workflow of a film scanner. So half of that time could have been spent, you know, half of the time that I should have realized something's wrong with the camera, I was like, something's wrong with the scanner. Because some of this, you know, um, I won't go into it at this time, but I bought a couple of old scanners, you know, on the cheap, thinking, well, you know, I could make a deal. Um, buying a couple of old unused or untested scanners, as they were labeled. Um, and I was trying to figure out how those worked and trying to figure out how they worked with my computer. And um, I wasn't doing too much uh, trial and error um, with the scans that I had that I knew that were good. It was a whole big thing. But anyways, so the Maxim's trash. So we were going away for the weekend, my girlfriend and I to her mother's house. She lives on a lake. Um, it's very picturesque. We go down the kayaks. And I really wanted a camera um, to take for the weekend. So I went on Facebook Marketplace and somebody was selling a Ricoh uh, R1050. And it's just a little point and shoot and I was like, perfect. That will give me something to use, but also in my theoretical ideal world, I would like a an SLR, but I would also like a point and shoot. And now, obviously, I'm getting half frame soon, but I was like, if I can just get something for the weekend to spend, something cheap, something small, something simple, nothing fancy, because I don't want to spend too, too much money. Guy was selling it for 20 bucks, picked it up on a Friday afternoon right before we left, came with the case, came with the manual. Um, conveniently, um, it took a very specific 6-volt battery, but they have battery stores uh, around my area, stopped in, spent... Uh, an outrageous amount of money on one of those specific batteries because it's, you know, it's a walk-in store. So, you know, you spend eleven dollars on the battery instead of you know the four or five that you'd spend online. But, you know, that's the price of convenience. So popped it in, turned right on, popped some uh, P3200 in it, and this is my. I bought it quite a while ago. Well, not quite a while ago. I bought it about two or three months ago, um, and haven't had a chance to use it. So I popped it in there and I started shooting with it. The only problem that I have, um, not with the film, but with the camera, is that uh, the shutter the shutter sound, the sound of the shutter, sounds like it's adjusting for autofocus. So there's a couple shots I took, I, I basically took two or three of, because I didn't realize it was taking shots, I thought it sounded like it was just trying to focus. So uh, there's that. Anyways, let's get to some Super 8 stuff. So, I am winning, currently, a bid on eBay. Winning is a term for it, because it's only at a $2 bid. I'm winning. It is a, uh, this is how it's titled, Vintage Pennies, P-E-N-N-Y-S, Zenor, Z-E-N-O-R, Zoom Super 8 movie camera. It looks pretty primitive for a Super 8 camera, but it looks in decent shape. Um, the lens looks a little marked up, but it looks like it's just smudged. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Again, $2. What are you going to do? $10 shipping. Um, I'm not going to invest too, too much in this, but the reason why I bring this up is one, shortly, but two, fewer and far between, you can now, f I mean, uh, you can still find... Uh, simple Super 8 cameras, and again, they're they're as as the months go by and this resurgence kind of picks up, um, it will never get to a point where it was before digital. But with this resurgence, 
of Super 8 and 16mm and just film in general um, and as people kind of rediscover film and a younger generation comes in and says like you know like uh, film is cooler than digital um, these things are gonna get more and more expensive and they already are you know a lot of simple or even more prosumer style Super 8 cameras are going for over 50 bucks going for over a hundred dollars two hundred dollars three hundred dollars um, but you can still find unused or un, uh, I shouldn't say unused untested uh, Super 8 cameras out there that um, am I still recording? Yes I am um, you can still find untested cameras out there that may, maybe aren't labeled or tagged correctly that people aren't finding online people aren't bidding on because they don't know they exist um, they don't want to take the chance on untested equipment um, and still get a, a solid deal on a entry-level Super 8 camera. Um, I'm just going to type Super 8 here on eBay and see what I come up with. This is just typing Super 8 in on eBay. Um, let's see. The first one that comes up is a Canon 18, uh, sorry, Canon 814, 814 electronic Super 8. This is going for. Um, this actually might have an interchangeable lens with it. I've uh, maybe I'm just uh, I had not realized that. Is this? I'm just gonna read the description. How about that? Before I make myself sound dumb, I'm gonna read the description. Canon 814 electronic Super 8 millimeter movie camera with a wide-angle wide-angle macro. I've been drinking once or twice, so um, maybe I can't spell. Uh, with wide-angle macro attachment lens. Was that so hard to say? This camera is in great condition. I'll be the judge of that. Alright. Uh, the only operation fault is when in manual mode, the aperture will slowly widen <laughs> as you shoot. Well, not in great condition now, is it? Uh, this is something I have never had a problem with, and it will not be an issue if you shoot in auto mode. Everything else operates perfectly. The lens built onto the camera is still pristine without any scratches or haze. The screw on the attachment lens as well is in perfect condition and was only used a handful of times. Um, it does look like it's in great condition. It does have a macro attachment which I assume screws onto the ends of the lens. I would say that 99.9% .9 of Super 8 cameras came with fixed lenses meaning you could not detach the lens which is very important because if you scratched it not that scratching lenses was a was a popular thing but with 30 40 50 year old super 8 cameras you really want to make sure that lens is in good condition it doesn't have anything on it because it, it, you can't take it off you can't you can't fix it you can't replace it um, you know that's that's the money right there is is the film passing through something that's going to look like crap? You know what I mean? Is there something in the lens? Is it, is it fogged? Is there fungus growing in there? Which is a, you know, a, a viable uh, concern with something that's that was made 50 years ago. I'm gonna bid on this because it's the bid is at uh, less than two dollars, which is a little silly. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw my hat in the ring. How about that? I've been outbid. Oh no. Let's see how much how much this is going for. Uh, I'm up to 14 bucks right now. I'll throw my hat. Uh, see, I'll I'll go up to 25. How about that? 
if somebody's been oh, okay 25 is the highest bid um, chances are somebody will outbid me on that one there it looks that like if you look up the, the specs of the 814 there are way more um, controls on it um, there's a slow motion button on there wow what's that mean um, it must shoot it at a higher frame rate um, but the frame rate frame rate dial that I see is just your standard 18 frames a second 24 frames a second and a single frame a second um, which I also have on my Braun Niso um, there's a couple other things on here that I don't know what they do there's a flash connector there's a remote connector that's cool this Canon 814 is one of those cameras where you open up the back and you slide in a a Super 8 cartridge instead of um, where the side opens up and you just kind of like have to place the the cartridge in kind of on the side. Um, it's kind of hard to explain unless you see it, but uh, it's pretty it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, let's go back here and look. Um, at some of the other ones. There's uh, the next one down is a vintage Canon Auto 518 that's going for 65 bucks and you can buy it now for 85 with a $20 shipping. That's what I'm talking about. It's over $100. Um, it's a Yashica Super 830 video camera with, uh, I love when people do this, they put a very very vintage um, unused pack of like Kodachrome in here. This this Kodachrome looks like it's from the 70s, maybe a um, yeah more than I see. That's the thing is more than I care to spend. It's like these cameras are f over 50 years old sometimes. It's like they want you to spend over a hundred bucks. It's like they don't even know if it works because nobody bothers. You know nobody wants to spend the money on a Super 8 cartridge and then paying arguably a hundred bucks give or take to actually process and scan it for it to come back and say like oh yeah I can this is the kind of image it produces now I'm gonna sell it you know it's it doesn't make sense to spend a hundred dollars to sell it for a hundred dollars so people just it's just a little silly um, maybe I'm a cheapskate um, here is a Canon XL 55 now I've been told via my sources and all your everybody's sources because this is not this is not private information that the Canon the, uh, sorry the Kodak XL series was the was the best um, Super 8 series out there the best Super 8 camera out there so I'm told uh, I don't know what this I don't know what kind of images this camera produces but their major fault was that there was a plastic gear that would disintegrate and um, so most of these cameras are unusable um, so there's that um, I'm not sure why they were considered the best um, I'm really hoping that my Braniso camera produces a decent looking image because it, because it is a it is a bulletproof style Super 8 camera I wish I had it in front of me I do not um, I brought it with me on my weekend uh, last night and this morning. I shot a couple seconds <laughs> worth of film. See, that's the thing is a lot of people, th you know, th that sounds insane, but um, when you're shooting Super 8, you get brought back, or when you're shooting still photography, when, you film, when you're film, when you using and shooting and filming 
with actual film. Um, it's kind of confusing because film is used as a, as a verb as well, but when you're shooting film in any format, you really have to think. You really have to take a step back and say, what do I want to capture? Is this worth it? Because either A, I only have X amount of shots left, or B, I only have so many minutes left or seconds left. So with Super 8, that's why watching old home movies is the best, because, you know, Dad only had three and a half minutes, give or take, to shoot Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to see the best of the best. That's why it's so fascinating, because one, the longest it can be is three minutes, give or take. Uh, and B, it's, you know, we're not watching 50 minutes of me, a 12-year-old kid, open up every one of his presents, because nobody wants to see that. When VCR, you know, when VHS came around, it was like you could tape for six hours. They had a six-hour setting on there, or a lot of the tapes were just you know two-hour standard. If you want to just shoot it, sta shoot it standard. It's like when when people got that kind of that kind of um, clear that kind of uh, ability to just shoot for two hours. It was like when they had when people had the capacity to shoot for two hours straight. They didn't have to worry about catching the best of the best. They just thought, well, I'll catch everything. And that is really boring to look at because your average family man, your average family, doesn't want to sit through all that. And usually, and then that's I think the '80s were just. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go on a rant now. The beginning of the '80s, the late '70s, early '80s. That's kind of when the cutoff was with home movies. That's when the transition happened. That's when there was this paradigm shift between. You know, uh, I don't want to say I want to go so far as to say art form, but like Super 8 had to have had to be an art form because you only had so much time, and it was film. It was film, film. They had to go through a chemical process to even see it. You had to be safe with it. You couldn't expose it to light. You had to go through this chemical process. You couldn't screw up. You had to, you had to, you had to jaws of life it out of its cartridge. Have you ever seen a Super 8 cartridge? I have no idea how labs ripped those apart without Dremels. I don't. I don't understand it. Um, VHS is, although it's still technically a tape, it's a magnetic tape. You could tape something on it, and you could tape over it. Um, it was more. It was kind of leaning more towards the digital realm, and then digital came out, and it's like all bets were off. But when that era came in, it was kind of like. People just stopped paying attention. I feel like video quality dropped off. Um, it was definitely a higher resolution than Super 8, I think. Um, I'm not sure about the science or the, the technical aspects about that, but in terms of film itself, 16mm was way more of a higher resolution than VHS. But VHS was so much more convenient. And then VHS-C came out, and there were smaller cartridges, and they could film X amount of minutes, hours. Uh, I'm not sure about the technical aspects of VHS-C, but the eight when the 80s came around, Super 8, Super 8 cameras were were uh, they ceased. You know, manufacturers stopped making them, um, and that is why you will not find a Super 8 camera manufactured past the 80s. Um, 
I don't know if that is 100% correct, but, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, most manufacturers started leaning towards creating VHS cameras instead. Um, I'm going to bid on this too. It's a, I want to read the description. It is a Canon 514XL. It is a shotgun or like a handgun style. I'll, I'll say that it is like a you know the handle's at a 90 degrees. It's your stereotypical like Super 8 style handheld camera. Um, the Canon, uh, the sorry, the Kodak XL was kind of like a, a hamburger type type looking camera. You held it with you had to hold it with both hands. Um, this the Canon 514 XL is a handheld one, um, single hand. 90 degree angle handle, a nice overall cosmetic, cosmetic addition, the camera is complete, the nameplate on top is not there, works fine, battery chamber is clean, the lens is clear and clean, motor runs well and is ready for pictures, please see pictures. Um, that's the other thing, uh, a lot of Super 8 cameras, their battery compartments, so double A's back in the day, you'd stick a couple double A's in there, well, anybody who knows who sticks a couple double A's in a piece of electronic equipment, sticks it in a car, sticks it in a closet, and you don't touch it for 10 years, you don't touch it for two years, you know, goes through a couple of seasons. I live in New England. It gets real hot in the summer and real cold in the winters. And that's even in your house. I mean, obviously, you know, pay for your, pay for your AC, you pay for your heat. So generally, in the house, you could still see a 20 to 30, 30 degree difference, um, but, and that's not even counting outside. So you stick your camera outside in a car, um, you stick your camera in a closet, it gets real humid, it gets real hot, uh, you stick it in an attic, it gets real hot up there, there's no ventilation, heat and humidity get to it, you stick it in a basement, it gets real cold. Anybody who knows, I mean, you don't think about the batteries that are in there, and you say, oh, Granddad's Super 8 camera must be working good. Like, he barely touched the thing. You go down there, you find out that there's 40-year-old double A's sitting in the handle. The whole thing is trashed. Um, chances of you wanting to clean that out and trying to get it functional again are slim to none at that point. You can try, um, and chances are it may or may not work, but... Um, you know, it's uh, the the quality and the whether batteries have been left in an old Super 8 camera or not are a huge selling factor on Super 8 cameras online, um, because the corrosion that happens after X amount of years um, is it can make or break the quality of a gently used Super 8 camera. I would say a majority of families out there who had Super 8 cameras didn't use them all that much. I mean, there are definitely uh, you know, there are definitely variations on one side of the spectrum or the other. But I can tell you, until I came along in my family, my mom or my my mom or my dad or my stepdad, they didn't. Uh, you know, nobody was busting out a camera until cell phones came around. Nobody was pulling out. A VHS camera, or a mini DV camera, or a or a Hi8 or Digi8 uh, camera. Those are other formats, more on the digital realm of things. But it's like nobody was, nobody owned these things. Nobody said, you know, my stepdad did, but it was such, you know, he didn't use it. It was trashed. It was like, you know, it just 
Um, so when you find these things, chances are they it's been used very little. Um, uh, same thing with cameras of all all kinds, VHS cameras. I mean, your parents bought them for a reason because they were cool. They wanted to capture Christmas, but they kind of quickly realized. And I'm just theorizing here. It's I'm just trying to pr I'm just trying to make the case for a lot of these old used cameras, which is chances are it really wasn't used that much. I mean, think about you know if you're if you're over the age of 30, if you're over the age of 40, how or if you're under the age of 30, how often before smartphones came out, how often did your parents or your grandparents or your aunts and uncles, how often at family gatherings did you see somebody bust out a video camera? And if the answer is like, I don't know, like I've never saw my aunt or uncle hang around with a camera, it's like, well, if somebody's got one hanging around, chances are it's barely used. So that's my case. Check, check the battery compartment. Make sure before you buy something, if you're buying something online, if it doesn't say anything about the battery compartment, you know, shoot them a message. Shoot them a message and just say, like, how does the battery compartment look? And uh, most, I'm sure they'll say it's pretty clean because a lot of the cameras that get sold online, you know, they, they take them apart. People who, and not only that, but you have to also think is that the people who are selling these things are probably people who are cleaning out a parent's belongings or something or they had it lying around or they found it and they don't have the, the time they don't have the time or capacity or the, even the knowledge to really put a you know they don't know that film exists or they don't um, they don't know that there's still conduits and, and processes and places that you can send film to so they just say like I don't know it looks clean but what I'm saying is is that they most people do have the wherewithal to be like well I can open it up and I can make sure it's all clean I can check the battery compartments and anything that I can take apart and look at I will so you know people aren't entirely dumb but um, some, some people are uh -huh. so I'm currently the highest bidder on a couple of these again we're bidding on things that pretty primitive pretty low pretty low uh, committal um, um, I forgot to mention but right now hello this is working I believe it is move it on over I'm gonna wait a sec mm. okay well you probably can't hear it because you probably also can't hear my the hum and rattle of hum and rattle of my um, not rattle of my desktop because I did some playback but definitely can't hear the hum of my Plustech scanner I have a Plustech 7600i um, and I'm using ViewScan um, as my scanner to scan these images um, uh, yeah so uh, while I'm talking to you I am uh, scanning some 35mm scans um, I just cut the hang of it about a week ago, and I've been uh, blowing through a lot of uh, backlogged images that I decided to finally um, pull the trigger on, and um, I still send them in. I don't develop my own film. I send them in to a lab about 45 minutes north of here, 
um, called Old School Film Lab. Um, shout out to those guys. Uh, they do great work, uh, great social media presence, uh, cool, cool group of people, um, quick turnaround times. Um, but with the amount that I want to shoot, and this is all theoretical, but the amount I want to shoot, um, I didn't want to spend the extra money on scans, even though the lab will probably give you a better scan. Um, I don't know that for sure. Um, I wanted to save the money on the, the scans, the basic level scans that the lab will give you. Any basic lab probably charge between five and six bucks on top of processing fees um, to scan your image in so you have them like on a physical file. They'll usually send you a link so you can download the files. Um, I wanted to save money on that because um, it's a lot extra per roll. At least for the again the amount that I wanted to spend shooting, and um, so I decided to pull the trigger and um, spend the money on one of these scanners. Try to figure out how to use them. Figure out if I could use them, and you know after X amount of I did the math once. I can't remember what it was though. But after you spend money on 20 rolls scanning them through a scanner that you paid two or three hundred bucks for. Um, obviously I bought it used, but you know, you get your money's back and you start saving money after you pretty much save, you know, the money on what you would have spent scanning uh, at the lab on this scanner. So not to take business away from them, but um, I, I just wanted, to, it's really just for myself so I could sustain my love of film photography. Um, I don't plan on developing myself in the near future. Um, I might dabble with it shortly. Um, I don't have any of the equipment for it. I do have the space for it, but uh, and then eventually, if I decide that I am confident enough in developing still photography, I may move into figuring out how to develop uh, motion picture film, uh, Super 8, 60 millimeter, and beyond. Um, putting another tray in. This scanner is a—it's uh, it, scanning slide film. Uh, sorry, not slide film. You can scan slide film. Um, scanning 35 millimeter film in these things is a little—I mean, it's definitely there's a bit of a learning curve. There's a bit of trial and error in terms of what you want. And obviously, in my case, it was a little specific because I didn't realize that some of the negatives that I was scanning in were camera error and not so much scanner error so there was that factor in my case um, so I just wanted to close this episode out um, even though I this is the Super Super 8 podcast um, I'm a little I'm pretty self-conscious um, my brain gets pretty you know I'm pretty scatterbrained sometimes can have trouble focusing, and I will definitely have a lot of trouble um, really articulating things and wanting to repeat myself and or wanting to just wipe everything that I just recorded and re-record it, so I will try to be better at not doing that and just kind of going with it, but um, I really just wanted to close this off by saying um, I understand this is a super, super great podcast, but I will remind you that I'm kind of in the beginning stages of learning and really growing with the Super 8 format, or just the film photography format in general. 
um, full disclosure, like, and I had mentioned this in the last podcast, um, I am going to be sending out my first roll of Super 8 to be processed. I don't, I haven't actually shot, I've shot on Super 8, but I haven't actually gotten anything back to show you. So that'll be exciting. I'm going to send it off to the Film Photography Podcast, uh, sorry, the Film Photography Project um, in New Jersey. They have a very convenient um, purchase on their store that is processing and scanning. Um, you need to package and ship it yourself a USB of comparable size in order to accommodate and obviously r receive your film on a digital format. Um, or you can buy their provided uh, USB on their website. Um, so I plan on doing that. Um, just to make it easy as a first time thing um, and this is a first first because this is the first time I've ever gotten any Super 8 processed or scanned ever but two this is the first that I've shot Super 8 and this is the first time that uh, I've shot on this camera obviously so and, and I was under the impression that this camera worked fine and obviously in the last 12 months I haven't had too much luck in the way of camera reliability unfortunately um, especially with the Minolta although I do I kind of I kind of have a thing for Minolta it's it was just kind of crazy because both of my cameras have crapped out on me um, well one of them I guess for all intents and purposes for argument's sake was already kind of uh, busted before I got it but the the 400 SI, the Maxim 400 SI, that was working great, and I had a bunch of stuff developed. And then I brought it overseas, and I guess that's my gripe is that, you know, I you can't get those those vacation memories back, unfortunately. And um, but I knew I knew I was rolling the dice. I knew I was rolling the dice, uh, just shooting film. Um, we were trying to double up on the phones, the phone cameras, the digital. Um, but uh, I shot more with film than I had doubled up with. So, um, I knew I knew I was rolling the dice. I knew what I was getting into. I knew the dangers. But um, I, also in the back of my head, though, I was like I had faith as well. But uh, I should have known better. Um, and it was a plasticky thing, you know. But uh, that's life. And I'm not too, too bummed about it. I mean, I was there. I lived it. And not only that, but, like, I took the picture. Like, I, 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 not that I remember all the pictures but like I took the picture like half of the fun is taking the picture and uh, that might sound silly but um, uh, I look forward to shooting some Super 8 in the future uh, I shot some more 500T today not too too much I'm very conservative with my uh, my Super 8 and my film I actually think later today maybe I won't do it today I might be a little too uh, inebriated to do so but I have a bunch of empty um 100 foot reels for my Bolex and I have a bunch of expired Kodak film expired and I think in the early 90s late 80s um, I don't actually know what it is because the markings don't particularly say so that's fun um, but uh, I might recan some of it I might I have a dark light bag um, darkroom bag I think they're called dark light bags you stick your hands in it's it's a whole thing I won't get into it now um, I might recan it because they're uh, I the f expired film that I got is on 400 foot reels. You can't put that in the camera. You you have to put 100 foot reels in. But you can recan them if you're willing to just do it 
without staring at it because you can't do it in the light. You can't uh, you can't stare at the film. So that's the thing. Got to do it all by hand without looking at it. So I might do that. Obviously, it's getting way too dark now. It is around eight o'clock. Actually, it's closing in on eight thirty. Um, my girlfriend is downstairs watching TV, waiting for me. Um, she is on a uh, a restrictive uh, elimination diet um, because she has th some throat issues. Um, it's not because she wants to go on a diet. She's um, she's not having any of those. She's so she's she has some throat issues. She's um, she's she has some allergy issues. She has some esophagus issues. It's kind of a it's it's a very serious like precancerous type thing. She has to get her. It's actually pretty intense. She has to get her throat scraped like every three years to make sure cancer doesn't uh, evolve in her throat or. I don't know what the word is for it, but um, every once in a while she'll she'll get extra irritated in her throat, and it's it's a very rare disease that she has. It's a very rare uh, issue, and so she's doing an elimination diet, which basically means she can't have much of anything, and she's going to slowly reintroduce uh, dairy or cheese or pasta or all these tiny little food groups in order to try to narrow down what it is that irritates her throat. Um, so it's not out of any like self-righteous reasons or diet reasons, um, not not for losing weight or anything like that, but it's, uh, it's actually very serious. But my point is, uh, on that long rant about something non-Super 8 related, was that what she can have is uh, tequila. Um, she did a, so long story short, she she sent a couple strands of her hair in to a site, which came back and uh, gave, gave, basically gives you a very intense, detailed allergy um, report. So this is more intense than when you go to the doctor and get an allergy test, when they do the needles in the back or they take blood or whatever. Like, you send a couple hair strands in, spend a bunch of money, and they will tell you, like, food group to food group to, like, not only if you're allergic to apples, but what kind of apples you're allergic to, it gets that intense. But um, so she got this report back. She's she has to do three weeks of eliminating everything uh, that she can't eat, and then slowly reintroduce things. But one of the things that she can eat or ingest is tequila. So she's got some margarita mix and some tequila, and uh, yeah, we're gonna do it up. So uh, I'm gonna switch to tequila soon. And uh, it's Labor Day weekend. It's Saturday. It's Saturday part one. Saturday part two of Labor Day weekend is Sunday. So that'll be fun. So I'm gonna go down and spend some time. Um, I know it wasn't entirely Super 8 related, but um, I guess that's what I was getting at in terms of getting out of here. Um, I see. I, I haven't figured out. I haven't quite figured out a closing slogan yet. Um, and I'm also trying to scan film at the same time here. Um, so I'll see if I, I'll, I'll give an update and see if I win any of that Super 8 stuff. And I'll, and I'll give you an update. But uh, just just keep in mind that everything I've said here, it's I've, I'm probably wrong, so just forget it anyway. So uh, yeah, I'll uh, talk to you later.